0: How old I am. <laughs> it is amazing to be here. I feel like we've already been through a complete church service. I didn't come in real emotional. I got emotional. I've been calm. I've gotten emotional again, and this is great. It is so good to be here with you. We bring, we bring greetings from New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> I know that Texas and Louisiana are very connected with one another. There are people that have crossed the border between the two and, you know, back and forth. And it is such a joy to be able to be up here in this great part of the country. It's amazing. The great friends, people that we've come to love dearly already, Alan and Laura, our dearest of friends. Adam and Bethany Smith, Todd and Patty, George and Sherry, I mean, just so many, you know, Shade and Sally. I mean, you just, you just go through the whole group, and you just run into so many people that you get close to. You can somehow take that off of the screen, you know, when I just grabbed my tongue and took something off of it, so. But, you know, it is such a joy. God is amazing. Uh, I, I'm sitting there listening, and You know, writing down even the songs, a couple songs I hadn't even heard, but, you know, I leave it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. What an amazing verse, what an amazing statement, you know, that somebody could think that up and then put it down because so many of us have felt that. So many of us know the ugliness that is us, and yet God makes something beautiful out of us. It is, it is a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, I heard someone talking on the, the radio the other day, and they're talking about nutrition. And they said eating right. Now, I'm someone who has been on a diet, I think, since I was one years old. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom said I was born skinny and I got fat. So, and, and what it's all about. And they say eating right doesn't have to be difficult or complicated. There's a simple way to tell if you're eating right. Colors. Fill your plate with bright colors such as greens and reds and yellows. And in fact, I did just that. The very next morning, I ate a whole bowl full of M&Ms. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But, you know, it's, it is amazing how much God changes us and transforms us and teaches us through life how inadequate we are ourselves. Anyone here ever had a pet that you really loved? Okay. I got one now. His name is Achilles. Achilles is a cat. Achilles is my buddy. Uh, You know, he wants to be petted so he'll reach up and touch you with his paw on your face, you know, that kind of thing. But when I was about five years old, my grandfather, who raised dogs and all kinds of animals on a farm in, outside of Bristol, Tennessee, and i spend my summers up there. My brother and I would go up there. Anyway, he gave me an English bulldog, and she was mine. I fed her. Five years old, and I fed her. Five years old, I took her out every single time she needed to go outside. Five years old, I watered her. Five years old, and she went fishing with me. She worked out in the yard with me. She did everything that I did. We wandered the woods together. She was one of those English bulldogs that's so ugly, she's beautiful. And to make her feel special, I named her Princess. (laughs) Well, one day when I about three years later, I walk home from school and I go into the garage and there's Princess dead on the floor. She'd been hit by a garbage truck. And later that afternoon I took her, I buried her out in the woods. It was, you know, just that was my chore didn't want anybody else to help me, didn't want anybody else to do anything. But one of the things that I remember is that shortly after that, I hated the person that had killed her. I didn't know his name. I didn't know who the driver was. But something special in my life had been taken away. And... This lack of forgiveness, this hatred, as an, as an eight-year-old, and just remembering that, it was so specific, I can still recall the feelings when I, you know, when I think about it. But it was in there, it was so deep, and you know, I think that a lot of us can be stuck, and I was stuck, I was stuck in a lack of forgiveness for a long time. And finally, it began to fade away. And I'm talking when I was young. But so many other things happen in life. That's not just that. Not just when you're 8 years old. It could be when you're 14 or 15. It can be when you're in your 20s. It can be later in life. But things can happen where you get stuck in this lack of forgiveness. You flee. And the same issues will show up in your life later. And and bitterness will ensue because of it. You fight it. And the house or your workplace becomes a battlefield in so many ways. You forgive, truly forgive, and a healing occurs. You know, I don't have the answers to why that happens or how that happens, but the Bible does. The Bible can tell us. Jesus had to understand. Jesus understands every feeling we've ever had. Jesus has to understand and does understand that feeling of being stuck. Being stuck. You know, imagine living 24-7 with 12 guys. Imagine the smells. Imagine the long walks, the long talks. Imagine somebody not doing what they said they were going to do. All the different things that go into a relationship. But how did Jesus devote himself to these men? How did he handle all of this? How did he do that? But not only did he put up with their obvious faults, but he also knew, and this is what amazes me about Jesus, he knew what their thoughts and attitudes were. He can see, we can all see the faults of everybody. And a lot of times I think we try to read into what their motivations are and their attitudes are, but we really don't know. Ever had somebody accuse you of something that they thought you were thinking? Well, no, that, no I don't think like that. That never entered my mind, you know. But yet, you know, we can do that. But Jesus actually knew. He actually knew what was inside of our heads And does it. And he did it for his his disciples there. He knew their futures. Imagine loving Peter, whom you knew would curse your name. And it wasn't that he just denied Jesus three times. He actually got to where he swore, cursing, that he did not know the man. And Jesus knew Peter was going to do that. Imagine knowing that Thomas would doubt your resurrection and that you would physically have to come back and say, Look, put your hand in my side. Look at it. It's real. And yet Jesus still loved this man. Imagine loving John, who wanted to destroy people. Son of thunder. Boom, get rid of them. And Jesus still loved this man. Imagine knowing that shortly before your death, before you go back to your father, that they're going to argue over who is going to be the most important in the kingdom of God. You knew all these things. You knew... Jesus knew that every single one of them would abandon him. How was Jesus able to love and forgive these disciples? Well, the first thing, Jesus set the example. He set the example of forgiveness. Look over in John chapter 13. Very familiar passage. Maybe... This will be a little bit different where it comes from, but we can always learn shortly before, just really, literally hours before the crucifixion. John 13, starting in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You know, of all the times we see Jesus on his knees, none other than maybe in Gethsemane is more powerful and moving than this. This is an amazing example. On his knees, the Son of God before these men. You know, at the end of a long day, full of crowds and clamoring for the teacher, the disciples had come to the upper room and took their seats one by one. They are beat, they are filthy. And after a time, Jesus gets up, removes his outer garments, wraps a servant's garb around his waist, picks up a water basin, and kneels before them one by one. And he washes their dirty feet. And I know you've heard this, many of you, uh, that this is the job to wash feet, save for the lowest of all the servants. I don't know how you rank servants in order of importance, but whoever was on the bottom is who washes the feet of visitors. And that's what Jesus did for his followers. That's what he did right here for us. He took care of them. He sat down with them. And you think about that, you know, he dries their feet. And you know, here's the King of Kings, the Lamb of God, the one whose hand shaped this earth, washing the feet of these men. Example of washing our feet before them. Look over in John 13, verse 7. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. This is a lesson for them right now, but it's also something they're going to grasp on a deeper level later in life. They're not going to get everything right now. It's kind of like we read the Bible. You don't get everything right then out of every single passage. You read the same passage three days later and you get something new out of it. You go, wow, this is alive, this is real, this is earth-shaking, this is something I need to live by. Tomorrow, in this passage, these men are going to become overcome with grief and shame when they remember this night. He forgives them even before they've committed their sins. He says, you do not not realize now what I am doing. He's washing their feet. He's getting the grime off. He's forgiving them. It's hard for us to imagine that we could forgive someone for deeply hurtful things that they would do to us. How does Jesus do this? How? Secondly here, he goes to his basin and it is grace. This bowl of dirty water, his basin, is grace. Now our problem when we can't forgive is that we're looking at the wrong person. We often see the offender and we can often see how we've been hurt. But the key here is that as Christians, we need to look at Jesus. We need to look to Jesus, look at Jesus. We see him, you know, we can't fix our eyes on the one who hurt us. We can't even look in the mirror and go, okay, yeah, here I am. We got to look at the author, the Perfector of our faith. First John chapter one, verse seven says if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us continuously cleanses us of all sin and just like the disciples the blood of Jesus saves and cleanses us today just like it did 2000 years ago it washes the sins away Acts twenty two verse sixteen. Paul, major sinner, persecutor of Christians, separator of families. Twenty two sixteen of Acts says, "And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on His name." It's kind of an aside, but I'm going to ask a question here. It's a thought question. If water baptism was necessary for Paul to have his sins washed away, why do so many religions today try to minimize it or put it aside? It's just a thought question. If Paul, who claims. He was close to God. He was a Jew among Jews. He was everything he could be before God until he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Had to be baptized to have his sins washed away. Why do we fight it so much in in the religious world? What about it? What about us? What does that say? But... Not only did the blood of Christ cleanse us in baptism, but it also continues to cleanse us. That's what 1 John tells us. In other words, again, it's not a promise for right now. When you're baptized into Christ, your life's different, man. You come up and it's new and it's sweet and everything's wonderful and great. But what about three or four years later? When those sermons that you were just looking forward to hearing or that devotional you're looking forward to going to and you go, oh, another one? And, you know, that same blood is going to be there even when you're kind of struggling with things because it's cleansing us, washing us, renewing us. And the clincher is if you're a Christian, The Spirit of God lives inside of you and you have the same power to forgive those that have hurt you as Jesus does. That Spirit inside of us. Because He has forgiven us, we can forgive others. Back over in John again, chapter 13. Starting in verse 14. It says, Now that I, your Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus washes our feet for a couple of reasons. The first is to give us mercy. And the next is to give us a message of unconditional love. He gives it to us and we need to give it to others. He gives it to us freely, wonderfully, unconditionally. And we should give it to others, too. Mercy. Unconditional grace. He kneels before us. And I think this is where... I'm a visual kind of person. I read the Bible. I I look at a story and I imagine what it must have been like. But you know what? I imagine myself being in that room. I imagine Jesus washing my feet. The grime, the dirt. Uh, I didn't wear sandals today, but I like wearing sandals. Uh, my feet can get dirty. But nothing like what these feet were like. But they can st- And I imagine Jesus washing my feet and challenging my life that I need to do the same for others. Will you do it? Will you do the same? Will you love deeply? Will you take someone and, I mean, the, the, the video? Good grief a friend who asked someone consistently for seven years to come to church and never gave up, never gave up. First time I was invited to church, I was at the University of Florida, and it probably would have been in 1974, and I said, no thank you not coming, don't like what you do, staying away from you. But this guy in my fraternity house kept asking me all the time. I was obnoxious. They'd have a soul talk in the next room. And I would blow marijuana smoke under the vent between the two rooms <laughs> I would literally you know how you can uh, if your door opens inward and it's in a you know a fraternity house and you have the doors right across the hallway from one another I tied a rope from one door handle to the next so they couldn't get out of the room. (laughs) I was the pledge trainer in the house, in the fraternity house. I had the pledges throw cherry bombs into the shower when Christians were taking showers. There was a student newspaper called The Alligator. Imagine that. (laughs) I wrote letters to the editor about these Christians. And there's Jesus kneeling, washing my feet. It floors you. And, And you've got... You may not have been quite as obnoxious as I was, but it doesn't matter because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's grace. We need Jesus. We need forgiveness. Ephesians four thirty-two says, Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Final thing I want to talk about is his forgiveness is powerful. I'm going to close out with a scripture over in Colossians. Colossians 3:13 And it says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I love the Living Bible, the way they phrase it. It says, Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Nothing in my life has broken me as deeply as the cross of Jesus. My sin put him there. The fact that he loves me so unconditionally and so completely compels me to share my faith, to open up my life to others, to be real. Christ's love compels us. Is this always going to be easy to be real? Is it always going to be easy to forgive? You know, a lot of times we're not even aware of what we need to forgive, are we? I was baptized after all that I did I literally thought when I walked into church something would happen like the walls would come down or I mean (laughs) and when Bonnie and I we were both baptized on the same night we were engaged and we were married just a couple of weeks later But seeing that coming to that after all this knowing that you know as paul wrote he says i'm the worst of sinners and i really felt that about myself and the forgiveness when i was baptized i unconditionally in my mind forgave anybody of anything they had ever done to me but if it's here it's not always here it's not always in your heart because you, can, you know that's the right thing to do and you intellectually go, yes, I'm going to do that. But at the same time, there may be something later in life that triggers you to remember something that took place earlier in your life. Yeah, sure. And one of the biggest things I had to do was forgive a man, a relative of mine, who had molested me when I was 11 years old. Forgiveness. It's powerful. Did I even think about that when I was baptized? Yeah, I was aware of it. But to really forgive on the level that Jesus forgives us? It was hard. there'll, There'll be other things that come up that you'll remember that, oh, well, that was a hurt that I went through, or that person let me down, or... This breakup was not great, or whatever it may have been, but you have all those things for giving completely. As I said, I'd sincerely made up my mind to do it, but man, when those feelings started coming out, I saw a movie, and I left it, and I was in tears. And Bonnie said, what's going on? And I explained what had happened and all this. And with her help and the help of others, I have completely forgiven. That person's past now, but I've completely forgiven them. Awesome. But it wasn't easy. Yeah. Forgiveness is tough. Think of Jesus and all the sin he had to forgive. And I thank God that I had people there. You know, some conflicts can only be solved figuratively by washing someone's feet. Is there anyone you need to forgive? Is there anyone that you need to let go of some attitudes towards? Colossians 3:13 again be gentle and ready to forgive never hold grudges remember the lord forgave you so you must forgive others let's make this week special in forgiveness i don't want you to dredge up you know imaginary things but if there's something real if there's something that you need to talk to somebody about do it it could be a family member it could be a coworker it could be a neighbor don't let the day or the week go by without forgiving. Jesus' humility, Jesus' forgiving spirit can change the world one person at a time. Let it change you. Forgiveness is powerful. Amen.